Hey, Sam, how are the little girls doing? How old are they now? Nine, eight, and one. Ouch. Oh, you are so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, can you hear my voice? Yes, a little loud, Sam. Ah, tough shit. You got no choice. So grab a glass and sit back in your chair. Cause Uncorked is going live to The following podcast contains material of an extremely nerdy nature. Listener discretion is advised. It's time again, here we are, it's uncorked. Well hey, it's another another uh, a day for a podcast, I guess. A day, well I hope it doesn't take a whole day, hopefully we only use a couple hours. Yeah, podcast day, yes, we don't want to be recording all day. Um, <laughs> people will nod off very quickly, Sam. How are you? I'm very well, yeah, yeah, good, you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Yeah, um, it's, it in- still is Christmas season. I'm sorry for interrupting there. It still is Christmas season. I knocked a pen on the floor, and uh, we're we're it's frantic around here. I got to be honest. Definitely Christmas season, and I'm really enjoying seeing all the posts on social media at the moment as everyone's popping the uh, advent calendars. So I'm seeing some really fantastic photos of of boutique whiskey minis um, in imaginative poses. Yeah, nice. And I, I guess all of that, by the time we put this out, by the time we put this podcast out, it will already have been Christmas. You'll have received the gifts that you wanted. Whiskey Santa will have been kind to you. And there'll be world peace. Yes, that's peace right. On, peace on earth. Goodwill to all men. Just in time for 2020. Will the elf on the shelf have a whiskey mini from Boutique by them? Oh my God, whose voice was that? We've got a few guests in the uh, in the studio today. Um, he's not really in the studio. He is the other side of the world, which is rather lovely. Um, but that's the marvels of technology. That was the unmistakable Mark Gillespie. Obviously. Mark, hi. Hey, guys. We also have in the studio with us today, Rob Allenson. Hello. Guys, thanks a lot for coming in. We thought we would invite you to start the new year right, talking about the changing state of words and whiskey. People write about it. I got into whiskey. Dave got into whiskey as bloggers. Um, we started writing about it as fans of the stuff. And I imagine your journey might be similar. Let's start there then. Rob, can you tell us how, how do you get into whiskey? Why? Why do you give a shit about whiskey? I ended up in whiskey via journalism, actually. I was looking for a job after working on local newspapers doing crime and politics. So whiskey was already involved at that point. Both parents drank whiskey. Uh, enough. We had a swear pot about Brexit on the last awards we did, so not this time. And yeah, so I got into it kind of a little bit by luck because the company that I worked for, Paragraph, had a magazine called Scotland Magazine, and my background is Scottish literature, so I ended up in there. And about a month and a half after I started, I ended up as editor, and the the learning curve went from zero to about 500 in a, a day and a half. So that's how I ended up in it. And we've always drank it in the family, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a stranger. The technical side was, but the yeah, yeah. enjoyment of it and the love of it and the, the terroir, if we dare mention that word so early on, was as well. Nice. And then how about you, Mark Gillespie? That was Rob Allison, editor of Whiskey Magazine, a longtime friend and bandmate. Hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Bass player, or so he says. 
<laughs> and Mark Gillespie, the pioneer of podcasting on the subject of whiskey. How did you come to whiskey? Well, I came to it not unlike Rob, but without the family background. I came from a family that didn't drink a lot of whiskey, although I do recall mixing a few Seagram's 7 and 7-Ups for my dad's friends when I was a, a teenager. But that was about my exposure to whiskey, except for that uh, brief period in college where we all did shots and stuff and uh, got sick and swore I'd never touch the stuff again. About 20 years ago, that changed. And I had been a journalist my entire career. I've worked in broadcast news all over North America and was working for a company at the time that I was producing all of our broadcast content for CNN and other folks. And this was 2005 when podcasting had just really started on the horizon. And Rob will get a kick out of this because uh, in the summer of 2005, I was active on the whiskeymagazine.com message boards, the forums at the time. And at that point, I just threw out the idea, hey guys, if I produce a whiskey podcast, would you guys listen to it? 13 people responded. Seven said, what's a podcast? <laughs> uh, the rest said, um, I don't know, but I'll, I might. And only one person said they would if I remember correctly. So for context, though, we also didn't have smartphones in our pocket at that yeah, time. Yeah, this so, was right before the iPhone. This yeah, is when yeah. you had to actually use an iPod. That's for the kids and, listening at home. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, an iPod is like a dumb, it's like a dumb phone. It's the <laughs> phone of music players. <laughs> I love my iPod. <laughs> this was back when uh, Zoom was still around, if I remember correctly. Out of that, the bosses said, we need to do a podcast. I'm the poor schmuck that's got to produce it. So I said, hold on, guys. Let me go play with this for a little bit and see what we're getting ourselves into. Because we didn't want to put the company's brand at stake. And I thought, okay, if I produce four or five episodes of a whiskey podcast and we decide that this is a pain in the neck and I kill it, we're not going to put the company's brand on the line and nobody's really going to care. Right. So I took my recording gear to Whiskey Fest New York in the fall of 2005 interviewed guys like Parker Beam and Dr. Jim Swan, both uh, have since passed on. Jesus, starting at the top though, Mark, wow, okay. Yeah, and a few other folks, McEwen among them, and then came back, produced a few episodes, and then the folks on the message board said, oh, that's what you meant by a podcast. <laughs> okay. And I went back, told the uh, brain trust at my company that yes, we can do this, Here's what it's going to take. So we started out, and then six months later, they close my studio in New Jersey, lay me off, move it to Washington, hire a kid at a third my salary to produce the podcast. So I've been doing this ever since. But this was really my journey to learn about whiskey. I didn't know much about it, except for a little bit when I started. But this was basically the chance for me to learn and talk to the experts. Because as a journalist, one of the things I do is tell stories and ask questions. Yeah. yeah. And this was a perfect way to do that. So and you, you it's made, what I'm still doing 15, 14 years later. Well, you made yourself redundant. You probably regret that. Oh, no. No, well, it led, it led to this whiskey life, didn't it? Yeah. It's, I, I'm having more fun doing this than I did in, oh, 25 years of mainstream broadcast journalism. Brilliant. Because I was like Rob. I was covering politics, crime, 
Um, I did a year on the police beat in Houston, the overnight cop shop beat for an all-news radio station <laughs> in the early 90s when that was the year we had 700 homicides in Houston alone. And I would get in the truck at 2 a.m. and start going to crime scenes. So that's the kind of stuff I'd been doing my entire career. This is a lot more fun. Uh, it's a great deal more fun uh, talking about whiskey, isn't it? Now, um, I remember, Rob, you all spent some time, not just as an editor of the Whiskey Magazine, but also um, you spent some time as a brand ambassador for a little while, didn't you? I did with, with Grant as global brand ambassador, yeah. Yep. So you were talking, not you, you gave up the journalism for a little while, really, to, to preach the gospel, um, travelling the world, talking about whiskey. <laughs> yeah, and nobody rings you at four in the morning to ask you to come out to a crime scene, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did the the, the Sorry, world. Sorry, Rob. I couldn't resist. No, no. I I know the I know the feeling though. It does happen. Um, and as for police lines, we used to have one for a, a, one of the counties out here where you'd ring in and they'd have the the select hits from overnight, as it were. <laughs> but one of one of which my my favourite one was always you know the uh, the intruder em- entered the house with a blunt instrument which as Sam knows is a bass or a tuba. <laughs> one one of those things you know so so as so, a former tuba player I can get that. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Sorry to any tuba players. Well, and Mark, you. I, lo- I love that story. I remember listening to you at the beginning. Um, I also started a whiskey journey around the same time, probably around 2002 when I started really started geeking out being in Edinburgh. Started a blog right around the time that I think you started your personal, uh, sorry, the, the whiskey cast, not the professional, the, the, the beginning of whiskey cast. And I remember they were 10 minutes long. And one of the greatest things yeah. about it was exactly as you outlined, you didn't know anything. Yeah. And I, I don't say that as a criticism. Instead, it was so relatable. And I think that brought people in. I think people didn't feel intimidated. They felt that it was okay to mispronounce things because even the host of the show that I'm learning so much from doesn't know how to say X or Y. You know, I think there was something... Kroningen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, he's got it now. He's got it now. Oh, got it now. Yeah, but you see the what I mean? The folks in the Netherlands beat that into <laughs> <laughs> But there's something about that community as well of us that, that you yeah. initially created. And, I, and podcasting, you know, having started one, I've started to listen to them, and they were really about likable people that you're willing to listen to and you you did that early you you know i have actually been going back and listening to some of those older episodes because there's part of me that feels like now that i've been doing this for 14 years i've almost lost some of that early innocence Mm. and i need to recapture that and that's something i need to think about as we go into year 15 is how to make it fresh and relatable for newcomers to help re- re- make that connection because I'm not 100% sure that uh, after all these years that maybe I need to reconnect that with that early uh, early adopter mindset. That is really interesting. I pro- As a listener, I think there are some things we could all go back to to, to do a bit better than we do today because the more we get mm-hmm. into whiskey, we're sort of close to it or you know, you, it becomes like, like it became for you, it's your job now. And so we do, yeah. we do need to go back to what we got into it. You know, people make pilgrimages to Isla or to Speyside to get out of their day job, to not write an article for Whiskey Magazine, Rob, or to not do an event, Dave, to be there and just remember, why the fuck are we here? What is it about whiskey that, that we love? So if it's you, the people. It is the yeah, people. Yeah. Always, yeah. 
So let's start there. I think uh, whiskey chronicling is sort of what we're talking about today. You know, sharing words about it, of course, it was mentioned already, the online world of forums that are fora that, that started Whiskey Magazine was one of them. Um, but even long, long before that, we had in Ireland, we had people democratizing sort of um, content. And then we had Barnard traveling around Scotland, visiting distillers. Should we talk about those things quickly, guys? I guess so, yeah. I mean, Charlie, uh, one of our guests on a previous podcast brought up um, The Truths About Whiskey, the book that was written about uh, Irish pot still whiskey, which really, I'd, I'd heard about it, but uh, I hadn't actually seen a copy of the book and it has been reprinted. And I'm trying to get my hands on a copy of it now because I am that sort of geek. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, you know, written about pot still whiskey. I think it's published in 1878, the four great Dublin whiskey houses, Jameson's, both John and William, uh, George Rowe and John Power, they all joined forces. And it was, if you read it, to, it was a, is a book. Um, but if you try, quickly analyse it, I, th I was reading, reading a review of it actually last night, uh, that someone was saying if, if you, if today that would be a blog, it would be an angry rant. Um, it's a very one-sided view on their thoughts of the whole whiskey industry at that time, which I guess really must have been the first real sort of blog about whiskey, really driving that home saying, you know, this is what whiskey is and everything else is, is counterfeit, it's fake, it's fake news. Um, and and uh, it, it really is, uh, you know, they got nowhere in the courts and they decided to try and appeal to the public directly, which was, it's, it's quite, quite, quite amusing. I certainly want to read it all now and I've seen a, seen a bit of it. I do want to go and grab it and, and, and read it. Well, I, I have not read that, have you, Ron? No, I've not read it either, no, not yet. <laughs> I have not either. I'd like to get my hands. Dave, when you find a copy, let me know. I want to get one too. It's called, yeah. it's called The Truths About Whiskey, and it has been reprinted, and I think I saw it. It was available. It certainly was available at the Teeling Distillery. Um, they had, a, had it reprinted there, so uh, uh -huh. as, um, they had copies of it reprinted. So, yeah, it's def definitely something I want to get my hands on. And of course, the other one that we all go on about quite a bit is uh, Alfred Bernard's great book the distilleries of the united kingdom where he visited I mean, it's more of a travel log rather than a than a whiskey blog it really goes into all the i mean when i first started reading it it was very much you could tell right at the beginning it was all very very detailed and this is the pumps and this is the refrigerators and this this is the capacity and and then yeah and and then at the end it becomes a travel log about how he's really fallen in love with scotland and and the whole the whole, yeah, the whole attitude of Scotland and, and the whiskey distilleries, really, rather than talking about the whiskey in itself. And at that time, um, it really was a travel log. Uh, all the whiskey was going to, there was very little branding, I would have thought back then. And certainly when I look in, I've got a reprint. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a special anniversary edition. And it's got a load of the old advertisements printed in the back. And nearly all of these advertisements printed in the back, it's, a, it's just a fabulous copy of it. Uh, they're nearly all engineering um, advertisements for the refrigerator coils, for distillery builders, for um, cooperages. And there's, very, there's only two whiskey brands in there. There's lots of family names that I recognise that have gone on. Uh, but there was just two brands. There was Dewar's listed in the back, a very small advert. Mm. Um, and then there was... Uh, Buchanan's. Buchanan's had a full page advert in the back, whereas the Dewar's advert is really sort of an eighth of a page in the book. So it's really, it was a very, very, the beginning of it all, I guess, for 
you know, just before, that, I, th I guess that was written just before the boom in whiskey, because um, then all of a sudden there was a big boom, a massive distilleries being built. I think it was already happening though, because some of his, some of his logs do say um, the, you know, the, the supply, the demand as far as ripping supply. So there already were, there was a draw, uh, and that was he was just at the right time. Yeah, because that was uh, heading into the late part of that century was when we started having the Pattinsons and everybody else that sort of built up the whiskey bubble yep. Yep, yep. that yep. cratered in the early 1800s. So two things you mentioned so, there, Dave, I think are really interesting. Sorry to interrupt there, Mark, but I think... No, sure. Today, print media and, and Mark's media, I remember, Mark, sorry if this is too candid, but maybe nine years no. ago, us speaking about ways to monetize. How do we make this pay for itself? Oh, um, yeah. And I, you just said Barnard's book had the ads in the back. Um, obviously, Whiskey Magazine, a big part of it is you got to make sure to get front and you know, inside cover and back page at least. Yep, at least. Uh, and then yeah. take it from there. And Mark, Mark, how do you, in the digital age, how do you go about um, monetizing? Well, if you've heard the show, you've heard our advertisers. We've had Redbreast and Johnny Walker as presenting sponsors for many years. They present the overall show, and then we have sponsors for almost all but one segment. And they have, without them, I'd be under a bridge right now. <laughs> oh, <gosh>. oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you might have wondered. You've been sleeping, sleeping rough under a bridge. Yeah, no, yeah. that's our standing joke, is that the retirement plan is to find the nearest bridge with air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Cobbled city. Yeah. Well, so, because, Mark, did they, did uh, they come to you? In some, well, well, the first one, I'll tell you how we got our very first sponsor. I never intended, when we started the show, to monetize it. It was my part-time labor of love. It was my hobby. And being a journalist, the one thing I didn't have any experience in was actually selling advertising. And we would, I was the guy in the newsroom who would cringe whenever the sales guys came in because they usually <laughs> wanted us to do something that we didn't <laughs> want to do. And so I would be the one, brant, 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 sales guy in the newsroom, sales guy in the newsroom, hide your integrity. <laughs> And things like that. <laughs> Jokingly, of course, which they love. I used to refer to them as time pimps, so, which they also loved. But in 2008, at the end of the year, towards the or two, late 2007, I'm out in Las Vegas for a Maker's Mark event, and I'm sitting at the bar at Caesar's Palace with the brand manager for Lafroig at the time, and she goes, "How could we support your podcast? Would, would you have any advertising availability?" I thought about it for a second because I'd gone, okay, I didn't want to take advertising at first. But then I thought, well, we've got this calendar of events segment. That's one where I could do a sponsor without having any conflict of interest issues. Where if I'm talking about events, we're not going to be, if I put them in the news, then we're going to have to worry about covering news stories involving a sponsor and things like that. So I said, well, I've got this calendar of events segment you guys could sponsor. She goes, okay, how much would it cost? I did some numbers in my head, looked at my daughter's college tuition bill that was coming due in a month or so, <laughs> and quoted a figure, and she goes, I have that much in my budget, let's do it. And I called my wife and I said, you are not going to believe this. And they stayed with us for, I think, eight or nine years as a sponsor. So that's how it all started, and then other brands said, hey, how can we get in on that? The one thing we tell them is, you will never get any say over editorial content on the show. When you're trying to crank out a new show each week with fresh content and up to an hour of content, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll take the ideas, but we maintain all editorial control. 
and yeah, we've we've done stories that our sponsors did not like about their issues, and they've said at the end, "Thank you, we're not going to renew." But we've always been fair to them and said, "We've got this story. We want you to comment on." It. And they'll either comment or not. We want to be fair to them, but I don't have a problem doing a story about a sponsor if if it even if it's a negative story, especially if it's a negative story. I don't have a problem doing that if it's a solid story and it's accurate and we're reporting it fairly. That's what matters to me. Brilliant. Well, I'd like to come back to that, Rob. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair. Um, there's a few things I would love to come back to in, in the wake of uh, the demise of scotchwhiskey.com, actually. Mm. But yeah. first, Rob, can you tell us a little bit about you know, how, how, it works, how it works at Whiskey Mag? It works for us. Well, we, we obviously have a sales and advertising department, which I am not part of. And like, like Mark, I mean, for me, it's, you know, the independence side of things is is the most important thing. Mm. We don't, although we run advertorials, they're not written by me or they are written by the brand passed through me to check for literals and all that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. You get 10 pence a literal. And, uh, but, you know, anybody who advertises doesn't have any sway over any editorial in the magazine or over the tastings you know what what we say is is what we say and that's that's how it goes so and i'm fairly certain over the magazine's history like mark you know we've we've lost advertisers because we've we've called out something or said something or you know hopefully before my time (laughs) if not i've not been told but uh yeah, it's the the independence is from the editorial side of things is the most important thing that that runs through everything that we touch from tastings to awards, um, yeah, all the way through the entire ethos of the magazine and the other magazines. So my fellow editors um, get the same spiel. You, you don't pass copy back to be checked by PR. You ask them the questions. We don't send questions out in advance. Um, and we, we don't we won't have our copy checked or changed. We may apologise if we get it wrong. Um, yeah. But that's that's just part of the course. It's being a good journalist, as you say, Mark. It's you know if you've got a story, you balance it up. You speak to both sides or three sides, however many sides you need to. You don't just come at it from one angle. Well, and you 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 are both journalists. Yeah. I mean, well, that's... you mentioned questions in advance, Rob. I got a great story on that. <laughs> uh, the late Char- and you guys will know the late great Charlie Gordon of William Grant. Yes, Sons. sir. I had put a request in several years ago to do an interview with him. He's one of the pioneers of single malt Scotch whiskey in our modern day era, and I I wanted to talk to Charlie so badly. And the guy that I was talking to at Grant's, he said, "Well, Charlie's going to want the questions in advance." And I go, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Um, I never give questions in advance. Uh, I've interviewed the president of the United States, and he didn't get the questions in advance. And he looked at me and goes, well, Charlie thinks he's more important than the president of the United States. (laughs) And I go, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And we never got the interview, and Charlie passed without doing it. And I, I would not change that. I don't give questions in advance. I may tell them. I'm going to stick to the topics that we talked about, such as this event or this release. I'm not going to sandbag him with a question out of thin air. Yeah. But I'm not going to say, I'm going to ask such and such question, what 
ABV did you bottle this at and things like that. They're not getting specifics. No. My favorite ones always ask what their favorite color is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, no, we're not playing that game. And, and like you say, you know, if, if somebody's coming to you with a, with a story, they've, they've got their angle already. Yeah. You're not going to stray outside of that unless something you know, ridiculous is. But those sort of stories, I think, are few and far between in the whiskey industry that I'm talking about. More, more sort of politics side of things with that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah we, you're going to stick down the line that, that you're wanting to work down. So, yeah, I, I agree, Dave. So I love that chat. Dave, earlier you were talking about uh, Barnard's book, and you even used a word that was invented around this time in the 1800s travel log. We said we say blog like it's nothing now, but it's yeah, a yeah. web monologue. That's what it's from. A travel log was similar. It was a travel monologue, so a single voice talking about travel. Um, so it, it was one of these fusion formats of its time, um, and we were all involved in blogging and, and writing about it, being on the forums. I remember when I started writing about whiskey online as Doctor Whiskey, um, there were three English language blogs with any presence online. There were Malt Maniacs, uh, there was Serge Valentin, Whiskey Fun, there was the Scotch, um, what was the guy in the U.S. marks? Oh my God, sorry, Scott. Oh jeez. Oh, just the Scotch blog, sorry, it was just called the, yeah, Scotch, the Scotch blog. blog. Yeah, Kevin Erskine. Kevin Erskine, exactly. And I remember Serge Valentin started a campaign because more and more people were getting into blogging. You know, then it was just really just the four of us in the English language that got any hit. If someone Google Glenn Livet, we would come up. Mm. As we know, that's changed a lot since then. But even within two years, that changed dramatically. And Surge started a campaign called Ad Free Blogs. Yep. And it's a, do you remember that? Yeah. I do remember. Yeah, because Surge was one of the. So yours, Surge, yeah, your, those four blogs you just mentioned were definitely the first four that I really picked up on, Malt Maniacs. Um, yeah. And when did yours start, Dave? Um, well, I just had a, an anniversary pop up actually, 2009, uh, uh, nine years ago, I think it's okay. it. Um, I think I just had an anniversary come up on LinkedIn and someone just <laughs> congratulated whether it's nine or ten years ago, I think, okay. yeah. Well, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> congratulations. The old whiskey Dave. discovery. Whiskey well, discovery. But it is amazing to see how much has changed since then. Yeah. I know it's great. Whiskey magazine's still <clears throat> going strength to strength. Whis yep. uh, you know, the, um, Mark is still podcasting as Whiskey Cast, but we have a lot of ad-ridden blogs. We have people who are taking samples and probably not reviewing it objectively. Whether they're journalists or not, it's a different question than the, the question, the, the moral dilemma that you guys face or the ethical dilemma that you guys face because you are actually journalists trying to get stories. But what if you're an enthusiast trying to make a buck? Yeah, we, we remained ad-free ad throughout. Um, we only... Then we, no, we, yeah, we, I mean, still is ad-free now. It's still sitting there in the background. Nobody's touched it for a couple of years now. But, um, yeah... I've seen them now that, you know, the WordPress ones will have an option where you can add ads anywhere. I, I guess there's, I mean, they all cost money to, you know, host blogs, websites, sure. uh, email addresses, all cost money. Mine. And it is a, yeah. is a labor of love that these people put into mm. it. And some of them put in a great deal of effort into, into these blogs. And I, I guess they all need to be, you know, nothing's free. Nothing in this world is free. So, uh, yeah. Content needs to be paid for somehow, I guess, and they need, you know, even if it just covers their expenses. I know when we were Whiskey Discovery, it was costing us a lot of money to do everything that we were doing. And eventually, because um, eventually we were getting our expenses paid when we were asked to go on a, on a press trip or a, a launch of something, we would get our, just our expenses taken care of. But yeah, the blog was never made any money. 
Well, even that word you just used, Mark, I, I guess you hear it more and more, but we certainly didn't hear it when we started podcasting and blogging, is content. Yeah. Content now doesn't mean words spoken or you interviewing Fred No or either of you interviewing Fred No or writing an opinion piece in Whiskey Magazine. Content can be a picture in a beautiful location or of a beautiful man with a beautiful beard <laughs> or a beautiful woman with a, with a product in a beautiful location. And that's sort of or enough. a beard. Oh, yeah, woman with a beard. Yeah, that's fine. But is that what, – what format is that? Is that journalism? What is, what is that content? I think journalism is content plus context. Huh. Yeah. Okay, expand. And yeah. you've got to take, I mean, I can post a photo on Instagram, but unless I explain what that photo is and what it means and why it's significant, it's not content. Hmm. It's not journalism. Yeah, that's, that's it because yeah, Instagram's supposed to be <coughs> pictures. And if it's yeah. pictures, why then do you have the space for the words underneath unless you have to contextualize the pictures? Makes well, you've got to say who's in the picture. Yeah. Or what you're doing or what you're... You've got, you've got to explain why this picture... Why somebody should... We've got so much content. It's like drinking from a fire hose, the proverbial drinking from the fire hose thing. You've got to explain why this stuff makes sense. Why should I spend my time looking at your picture on Instagram? Yes, it's a pretty picture, 30 seconds. Tell me the story behind it, I'll give you two minutes. Tell me your really good story, I might give you five. Or go to your website. Yeah, I guess you could almost, I'm going to go on a little flight of fantasy, but you could take it right back to the caveman and woman sitting there drawing a picture of where the, the buffalo or the bison or whatever are. It's, it's great, look, there's a picture of nice buffalo, but that doesn't help me eat tomorrow night. I need to tell you where they are to go and get them. But perhaps that's the story that informed writing it on the wall in the first place. Which drives place. us to start a blog or start a, a podcast yeah. or start writing to, to share. It's as Mark said at the beginning, that's what journalism, podcasting, blogging is all about. It's telling a story at the end of the day. I think it's what we all do pretty darn well in this, you know, in this industry is tell a good story. Well, look, if you're an Instagrammer or a blogger or a Twitterer or, or involved in, in talking about whiskey, we'd really love to hear from you. If you use the hashtag Uncored Whiskey Sessions when you're talking from your channel, we'd really like to find out more about what you do and the struggles you might face in trying to make it make money or how bored you, find, how bored you are with it at this point or whatever you aspire to be. I think it'd be cool to reinvigorate some of that community through, through Uncorked and through us because I'd love to find you. If I, if I don't already follow you or Dave, Dave follows a lot of the best. Yeah, I, I do live my life on Twitter. Boutique Dave, uh, yeah, talk to me. Uh, tell me what you're doing with your blogs. I mean, I do know a lot of the bloggers um, and, and, and read an awful lot of what you're saying. I'm look, I say I've really not got into Instagram that well because uh, I take crappy pictures. I'm bloody rubbish at taking pictures. Um, but some of you guys do take some stunning pictures. And, and what are you doing outside in the bloody ice with your, yeah, with your bottle of whiskey? That. Yeah, 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 that's the thing. <laughs> Why are you standing a bottle of whiskey on a pond? Come on. Mark, I'm aware we're, we've used a lot of your time today. I wanted to move along oh, no then problem. from that, from the, from the conflict of interest chat to something that's quite topical. Recently, we had um, Sukinder Singh and his brother Rajbir in the business uh, Speciality Drinks, the Whiskey Exchange. They set up in 2015, I believe. You guys are the journalists. You can confirm if I'm right or wrong. Yeah, I think four was, years ago. That is. Thanks, guys. Okay. They set up an online resource called scotchwhiskey.com. I know personally I used it almost every day, not just for news, but to see the commentary from uh, that, that 
Uh, Becky Paskin had edited and organized uh, from the voices that were writing for it, Richard Woodward, uh, Dave Broom, many, many others. Um, but also the Wikipedia, the facts. Oh, the know. facts, and yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. The Wikipedia was was great, but also the uh, the editorial content was superb. There was a, there was something to read every day, wasn't there? It was interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that conflict of interest piece, though, did I know in speaking to Sekinder affect their decision of how to run it? It was always going to be run at an arm's length from their retail business and from their branded uh, booze business, specialty drink. Um, excuse me, elixir. Drinks, elixir spirits, what the fuck are they called? Elixir drinks. Ah, whatever. Elixir. Google it, people. You're Google on a phone. <laughs> um, but had to make it make money. And it seems that it, although it was creating some of the best content we had seen online uh, of booze, um, and keeping it separate as an entity didn't seem to work. Um, Mark, I wonder before you have to go, do you have any comment or any observations of maybe what what happened and what what could we what could we do to to keep the sort of content alive online. Well, I was really sad to hear that scotchwhiskey.com was shutting down because um, the guys, Becky, Dave, Richard, busted their butts to make that thing work. Mm -hmm. And so did the entire team behind them because it's not just the three of them. It was the web team at Speciality Drinks and Elixir Distillers who were doing the grunt work to make it happen behind the scenes. And I really wish that there was a way we could preserve that content somehow and not have to always worry about monetizing everything. Um, I mean, I monetize it on WhiskeyCast because that's, I like having a house to live in, I like having food on the table. But I wish there were some way, some sort of foundation grant or some sort of way we could support independent journalism like that, like what they were doing and not have to worry about always selling advertising on it or yeah. not having to worry about subscription because as far as i know they never tried to sell subscriptions to it or get people to pay for the content maybe that might have been a way to do it but i've seen we've looked at stuff like that before and it's never quite made sense for us so i can see the difficulties in it it costs a lot of money to produce content and to do it right and you got to give sekinder and raj credit for doing what they did as long as they did. Amen. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The content creators, they cost money. The caliber of them, they cost money. The, the web design, all these things cost money. And I, I follow a, a link that someone shared or I go to Guardian or New York Times or I go to these online sources of contemporary journalism and it shouldn't be free. And in fact, it can't be. Increasingly, you get these notifications like subscribe now or here you, you get this, the last article you can see this month for free. What, how is this going to happen in the future? Never mind for traditional journalism, but just specifically whiskey. There's obviously a lot of war money in whiskey. Dave was saying he gets free trips around markets, invited to events. We, we host people. I worked at Balvenie. We host people at the distillery. We put them up in hotels. We buy them fancy dinners, take them up for 40-year-old drams. There's money around if we're willing to pay it to be represented fairly. Right, and that's the problem is that most brands want to control their content mm -hmm. these days. And they don't always value the independent journalist and the credibility that comes with independence. I mean, we go in above and beyond to be transparent. I think that's what's helped our credibility over the years at WhiskeyCast in that we focus on being transparent and being straight with everybody about Yes, we take advertising. No, they don't get any influence. And a lot of brands are producing their own content now because 
they have a way to control the narrative. They don't need to spend advertising money. Here we are on that boutique broadcasting companies <laughs> on court. <laughs> Fair, but I mean, we know I, when I was at Grants, we tried to cre create two different avenues of, of neutral brand content that wasn't about Balvenie, Balvenie Whiskey Shelf, and then we had the Balvenie News Stream as well that was not about Balvenie, it was not about our content. It just didn't work. It's an interesting thing. It's not something we're going to solve today, Mark. Mark Gillespie, no. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Anytime. And I hope to see you soon. I might come out, uh, maybe I'll see you in Victoria Whiskey Festival, one of the best whiskey shows in the world uh, in January. I hope so. Um, you, you'll be there? Oh, I wouldn't miss it. Well, you're always busy, buddy. And I love, I still listen to you. I still love it. I don't always make it through a whole episode in one car ride because my commute, it says more about my commute than the length of your episodes, I assure you. Well, it's because uh, you've got a shorter commute now. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but thanks a lot for doing it. And thanks for being one of those voices that we can count on. This is the first guest we've had on, on the podcast where we haven't been drinking whiskey, Sam. Oh, what the? Oh. We've not had one drop. I know we can't pour Mark any, any whiskey, but we... We haven't had a dry Mark, I promise when you get off the phone, we are going to make up for lost time. We're going to hit these drops hard. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, brother. Hey, thanks, thanks for calling in. Take care, Mark. Cheers. Thank Lovely to guys. see you. Right. Have a great day. So we ought to have a whiskey now, Mark's gone. Um, I don't think there's enough to share with him, actually, um, although he's the other side of the world. Um, I bought in a, fr a, f a few dregs, really. Um, they're all old whiskies, and the first one I've picked out here is a 30-year-old Glen Murray um, that was distilled in 1974, bottled in 2004, and then lost for 10 years because it never came out retail re on retail, or certainly in the distillery, for... 10 years it came out in 14 um and i that's found what this you're starting with that we're gonna start the new year with a 30 year old yeah why not Glen murray yeah well, beautiful have, have some you, i'd rather you have it rather than me because no, i've you, had it i've drunk most of that as you well, can see on the I train down you, i thought you meant he lost it then for 10 years <laughs> no that, I, it was it was the story i heard at the distillery was that um they had found glenmorangie had found it in the back of their warehouse and um i asked him if they wanted it the Glenmorangie Company was the owner of Glenmorangie for a while. Uh, yes. Um, so this is old style. I mean, that's the last of it, so it's gone. I'm glad of it. I did buy a fair bit of it at the time because it was just, I think it was like 150 quid or something in a box. Do you want to take a moment just to, you know, and, um, and this, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, it's been in the bottle for too long and it was just a, a few drams, as you might, so it might be a bit flat. But it is old style Glenmorangie. Um, so distilled in 74. I bought it because it was a 30 year old and, and my daughter Kat was coming up to her 30th birthday. So although it wasn't an 84, it was a 74, but um, close enough. I thought it'd be nice for to have in her cabinet. Does she know you've got rid of it now? Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Glen Murray is, is an underrated, I think, distillery. Yeah. I, I don't know how you guys feel, but it's one of these distilleries that it is in the heartland of whiskey making in Speyside. It's in Elgin, um, but it's a name we don't see that much we see it more and more now but it's not it's not seen as one of the greats but it's always a great drop i think yeah and the the oh god his name's gone but the, i see him at every whiskey live and almost every whiskey live around the world i, I go to as well you see ian ian yes ian Allen. i mean hard talking about hard working yeah oh yeah he's out there as you said 
Selling the gospel. And singing the praise. And he's always yeah. looking after the visitors at the distillery as well when he's not travelling. And he's a nice guy as well. Oh, you meet the nicest people at whiskey. Definitely the nerdiest. Listen to us. Fuck, this has been, this has been a, quite an episode. I don't know. We need to put a disclaimer or something, but I, mm. I want to go deeper. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Because I think Mark really got me thinking. Well, yeah. we were already discussing this before we started recording about this aspect of conflict of interest and, and just, I guess, publishing or being able to make money writing about truths, whatever the topic is. In this case, we're talking about whiskey. Mm. So The Schweppes Guide to Scotch is one of my books that I, I brought in today, but one of the books that I always and regularly refer to because it has a historical account of all the uh, many different blended brands the parent companies you can always find a reference for that it has the history and blah 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 and that kind of stuff too which is a bit out of date but everything else is one of the only place you can find that information but it's a schweppes guide the ginger ale tonic maker it needed to be paid for and sponsored by by a drinks maker which i think is so there's something there that's 1983, isn't it, that book? Is it 83? Oh, now you're quizzing me. It's, over. It's, it's, it's out of my arm's reach. Is that a, I'm pretty certain it is, yeah. And, and the, I, I, I bought it recently and read it, or, or read, flicked through read, reading parts of it that I needed to read. Uh, and at that time, 90, it says 99% of the output of Scotland at that time was blended scotch, yeah. 1% single malts. That's amazing. So there, there's a fact like that blows my mind, and it puts whiskey into context I hope for some listeners but it certainly reminds me the other book that I brought in is um, I'm going to screw up a surname because I always do David Deiches 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 David D-A-I-C-H-E-S and this is, this is the book called Scotch Whiskey um, what's the full title I have it written here somewhere 1969 it's past, it's past and, present. and present thank you so 1969 Just, that's not that long ago really no, right? so, no. In, in, in the first man on the moon Yes, right. that's right. Yeah, true. But there were 14 grain distilleries in operation then. Yep. Huh. 108 malt distilleries. Yeah. So malt was still there, but grain was obviously much more important. There was blend, again, like you said, statistically, we got blends are what it was all about. Absolutely. Um, but Port Ellen, uh, Rosebank, Hillside, all these distilleries, they were still in production. And that, when this book was published, and this book is really a sort of love letter. Some, some of the most quoted things about Scotch whiskey come from this book. Um, and in a way, very little has changed. People get well into whiskey and they, they get enamored, so enamored that they want to make a pilgrimage to Isla or to Speyside or to visit distilleries, to go to whiskey festivals, to go to whiskey live uh, around the world, or to indeed, if you can, if you're an academic in 1960s Britain, write a book about whiskey. Write a book. What else would you do? Rob, what have you yeah. been writing about recently? Because I know there's been a lot of changes in whiskey. I know personally, as, as your friend, that you worked at Whiskey Magazine for years, then came to work at William Grant Sons as ambassador to see a different part of uh, the industry, and you yeah. went back to Whiskey Magazine. Has your, what, has your perspective changed? Yeah, I think it, you know, I think it has. I mean, the, the reason I, I, missed, I missed writing, you know, it's one of those things, I think there's only a few jobs that you that gets under your skin and one of them is definitely writing telling stories I mean to be to be honest the the ambassadorial thing was not much different you know telling stories about family and whiskey and all that sort of thing but yeah the, the landscape has changed I mean I, I was trying to remember the date that we Tom Morton and I did our first big motorbike trip round around the UK looking at distilleries and the furthest north distillery there at the time was Highland Park, yeah, most northerly one, 
the most ma the most northerly mainland was Wick, uh, Old Pulteney. Pulteney. Yeah. That's already changed. It's already expanded. I mean, so much has happened in the last last two years, let alone the last five, ten years, let alone back to '69. And it's all. I think it's all good. I mean. I, I love that phrase, you know, what, uh, uh, rising tide floats, floats all boats. <laughs> uh -huh. And I think at the minute everything is, is expanding faster and faster and faster. Technology, you know, we were looking at the, you know, we were talking about ice stills earlier. You know, I, I remember sitting at one point a, a year or so ago with a chap messing around on his iPad and he's distilling the other side of the world at the time. On a, on a little still. Other stills are obviously available, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a great world to be writing about at the moment. It's, it's a great world to be taking pictures in for Instagram, for be blogging on. I remember writing a, 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 a opinion piece in Whiskey Magazine several years ago now about how there were so many more blogs appearing it was becoming this sort of tower of babel of, of voices out there and who do you tune into and as you mentioned earlier you know, um, Serge and, and you guys were, were probably the main voices out there obviously you, you had Michael Jackson who was so worth listening to I, I kind of sort of blessed to have had him working on the magazine when I took over and had him as a tutor as well as as yeah. well as Broomy as well as was well Dave and the, the, you know those those big voices are still there. The, I kind of likened it in the piece to the the craft brewing in the states. It, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. Where does it grow? But a bubble can only grow so far in a space, and it has to pop. I don't know if we're there yet. I don't know what you what you think. I mean, you've just started podcasting. I was actually considering doing a blog, which is very 1990s of me, I think. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's. I don't know where it's going to go. You know, I, I've worked on paper on print for so long. I, I'm not quite a dinosaur. I do know what the interweb is. I've seen it. I've heard it. I got offered it as a small box with a red light. Don't break it. Don't break it. Don't break the internet. And, but I think it's great. All these people. Once you start picking your way through the blogs and start listening to people, and it's like record critics um, or twelve-inch critics for those of us who are old enough. Once you hear a voice and you, you like it, or you, even if you don't like it, but you go to the music afterwards and you, you sort of you listen to it and you go, actually, that guy's wrong. And then you pick up one that somebody else has reviewed and go, oh, yeah, actually, this, this one was talking a lot of sense about this. I think you just tune into that, that voice that you, that you prefer and there's enough, out, it's like whiskey, there's enough out there at the moment. Where we're going to go, who knows? Well, this was, I think, the book we were just speaking about was, was David's uh, 29th book. So you're talking about, you know, what, where do you go now that you've been doing this for so long? There, there's no rush, mate. You, I'm sure there's plenty you could put down in a book and, and capture things that we, you haven't been able to capture in the magazine. Um, and still, your voice, it's good to have your voice back at the magazine, I have to say. Thanks. Um, and Dakes, too. So back to that book. I mean, so it's yeah. 29th book. But even at the beginning, he has a disclaimer and... It's sort of a, a given disclaimer, I think, on scotchwhiskey.com when there were these editorial pieces that were quite romantic, especially Dave's pieces I always found really beautiful and spoke to the soul of whiskey. Because we sometimes get distracted, especially when we're visual people. Instagram, 
is so visual. There's a picture of the bottle. We're analyzing the color of the liquid, the, the, the background, the icy background, whatever it might be. But, you know, Dick's book starts with the phrase, um, this book does not claim to be a complete an authoritative account of all aspects of Scotch whiskey. And he does, look, when the book, if you've read the book, Worthington, you've read it, right? I've read quite a bit of it, yep. Yeah, so when he, he he's certainly academic throughout. He was a professional academic. Um, but it's it reads more like a love letter. And it's uh, there's no judgment or cynicism about the facts, which we see a lot of in blogs and forums. People doubting why whiskey companies doing something. Oh, they're trying to gouge us. Okay, well then stop buying it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, stop buying it. <clears throat> um... Or <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just business, nothing personal. Yeah, well, or or it's not. I think the assumption in so many places is negative. If you actually love something, people who love football, they love football. Right. They're into it. People who love sailing, they love sailing. That boat sucks, but it doesn't matter because it's beautiful. We can make that boat work. Whatever it might be, yeah. that that sort of innocent romance is getting a bit lost, I think, in a digital age where the d- democratization of opinion. Um, has allowed cynicism uh, undue favor, I think, or just it's much easier to be a critic in the literal, in the sense of criticizing. Um, mm. And that's not, uh, it's sort of this anti industrial bias, it's sort of trendy. And uh, there's none of that in this book in the 60s. This, this is 1969, and there's none of that. It's romantic. And now we have democratized, uh, you know, content, as we were saying. You can be a, a bartender, you can be a, a blogger, you can be. Joe, someone who just got into whiskey, someone who just got fired from their job and wanted to start a podcast. What did I do it about? I do it about whiskey because I'm just starting my journey on it. Even if you, though you pronounce every fucking distillery wrong and sound like a fool, and now 14 years later, he's still doing it. Right. So what would we make? You know, what, what world of information would we have? We spoke about scotchwhiskey.com, which I think was a noble cause from, yeah. from specialty drinks to, to, to do. The content they created was honest and balanced and critical yep. um, and multifaceted. There was back and forth. There were two opinions. On, on There was a whole series. I forget what the fuck that was called. Sorry. There was where there was like he said, she said. Oh, fuck, what was that called? Well, you, you get what I'm saying. We're the two sides to every story. Two sides to every story. And presenting it in a way that and, – and you decide because there are, there, are, there are, of course, facts, but the opinions are to be debated. And that's because we love this whiskey, because we love it so much, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it in an embracing way. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of so a So did you enjoy, let's talk about whiskey then. <laughs> did you enjoy that last of the Glen Murray 30-year-old that I brought along today? Well, Dave, it inspired like a 25-minute rant I just went on. <laughs> yeah, I, obviously. is that what it was? It did. It, did you enjoy it? I, I bloody did. I absolutely. This yeah. is old school Glen Murray. It is just delicious. Um, I've got something other old school if you want to put something else in the glass. Oh, okay. Um, uh, this is a 25-year-old. It's um, it's a 25-year-old from the SMWS. It's 9.84, playing Sea Battle in the Garden is the name of this. I don't know what that means. Um, I know that the SMWS do not have the distillery names on it. Uh, number 9 is the, the distillery code, and 84 is the 84th cask that they've had from this distillery. Rob's pouring me a drop. Thank you very much. I, I do happen to know that this is up. a Glen Grant. Number nine. I'm pretty certain that's a Glen Grant. And um, yeah, it's another bottle that needs to go. So I can open some new ones. 
great distillery with a long history as well, one that has been being consumed as a malt longer than many. You know, Italy was buying Glengrand. Oh, Eight-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gosh. Beautiful gardens as well. If you're ever in Speyside and you're not even a whiskey person, it's a lovely distillery yeah. to visit. And a lot to visit around there as well. If you're, if you're up in that direction, plenty to see. Yeah, there's plenty to see. Well, that's strong. What's the ABV there? 55.6. I'm going to need some water on that, but peanut, peanut oil or something. Let's it is eat. quite, yeah, quite oily, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. peanut mm. oil is a good shout, actually. What was the description they had on the bottle too? Scotch Malt Whiskey Society is, all, you know, we're, we're talking about words and whiskey and mostly about journalism, I suppose. But, you know, a cool thing at, at the society is the Charlie McLean, Robin Lang, people who write for a living, whether it's song or, or literature, um, write for a living, write these hasting notes. You know, these panelists where they sit around and they, they're not trying to say, oh, I'm getting delicate fruit notes and violet. They're like, they're trying to dragon's breath and you know fear of balding. I'm getting notes of fear of a thinning hairline. Very characterful notes. And you know, in the '80s when this when the society started, that was fucking renegade. And again, that's celebrating passion, isn't it? That's really mm. not a criticism. Oh, this whiskey's worse than that one. No. It, what is this whiskey, and why is it magical in yeah. its own right? Yeah. I love that the spirit of that. They have some of the best names. Antonio, Antonio Banderas on a beach. That's one of my favourites. There's one that's, that I know has just passed through the awards was was Nicky Nacky Woody Whack, which I think is brilliant. I, it's worth I noting. I still say it, which is even better. Yeah, well, it's worth noting that when they come up with these taste notes, they're sat around a table having a few as well. So I'm sure they get wilder as the night, night goes on. You know what? Antonio Banderas on a beach. I can almost taste that. It's like jojoba and sweat. Well, here's the thing. So um, Mark mentioned controlling the message and some of the people that were upset about not being able to, uh, some brands were upset uh, not being able to control the message. And we, we, we hear phrases like that, even in discussing uh, executing this podcast, like we have to justify what, why are we doing this? And we're not just sitting around promoting our brands here, Adam Brands, Adam Brands, Adam Brands. Well, because we are talking with people about whiskey, the thing that we love. But one of the terminologies that we use for that is control the message. And that got John, we were talking the other day, uh, that got John to say, well, history is written by the victors. We've spoken about some books written about whiskey. Yep. Schweppes yep. sponsors one of them. Schweppes takes the author on a trip, I'm sure, and probably some favor on certain brands that were paying Schweppes to be with J&B, mm -hmm. um, for example. Um, we see Charlie McLean's Wikipedia, um, brands that he chooses to mention, maybe have treated him well, maybe have not. But there is something, is there something there about like the, the history is written by the Victor's phenomenon? It, it occurred to me this morning, or it was confirmed for me anyway this morning after John brought it up a couple of days ago, when we were looking at um, awards at the IWSC. Now the IWSC is the International Wine and Spirits Competition. World Whiskey Awards is probably similarly biased and I'm, that's what I'm gonna challenge you on right now, Rob. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, and I only noticed it after, after this history written by the Victor's stuff that John was saying, there's worldwide whiskey, there's American whiskey, uh -huh. and there's Scotch whiskey. Yeah. So all of the other world's whiskeys are gonna go into these five categories when Scotch itself has single grain, blended grain, blended Scotch, single malt Scotch, single malt Scotch finish, single malt Scotch cast strength. And then the regional awards. Regionals. Yeah. Worldwide whiskey gets worldwide whiskey. 
It's almost like they're controlling the message at the awards level where, of course, a Scotch whiskey producer is going to overperform the many distilleries of the rest of the world. At World Whiskey Awards, how do you separate? How do you try to address this issue? Oh, that's a nice one. So. Suck on that. <laughs> <laughs> go with me, you say. Go with me. Oh, yeah, go with me. Go yeah, with sorry. me. Uh, so, we split down into countries. So, we, we did, when it originally started, we had the, the sort of world whiskey or rest of world category, ROW. Uh, but now we actually split down into the countries. And when did that, when did you do, start doing that? Uh, it was before, so hang on. Less than 10 years, certainly. Yeah, less five, than 10 years ago. Five, four, I'd three, say six. two, I'm trying to one. I did it! I cut it! As far as I can remember from, a little, from a, a little while yeah. ago, there was only one um, malt producer in Egypt. Oh, you got to bring that up. <laughs> I had to bring that up because I did get that one out of Mr. Broom. Um, <laughs> so if there was a, the best Egyptian whiskey, surely they're going to win. They probably might do, but <laughs> uh, let me qualify that though. It has to hit a certain level in terms of points from the judges, so it has to sit. It has to hit a certain mark, and if it doesn't score that mark, it, it doesn't go through. So it wouldn't. So this Egyptian single malt Devlin, wasn't it? Devlin, it was. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, um, if that was, they sent samples in for the uh, the awards. Would it be judged against? Other whiskies, or will it just come out on its own? No, it would be. It would be, and it would be. You'd score it. Yeah. So we we judge blind. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. All, all of. I mean, I've been a, a judge on say, yeah. one of your yeah, you know panels. That. No, no. It needs to be told. Yes. Yeah. All all of these are blind, and I have no idea when I've been a judge. Um, with the Scotch Whiskey Masters and certainly with the World Whiskey Awards, I have no idea what's coming out. Yeah. Uh, and some of them have been. I must admit, I've felt. Sometimes I've been sitting on a table with some pretty important, you know, distillers, world distillers, and I've been sitting there thinking, these are all pretty lackluster to me. Um, and I looked at the other judges and said, what do you think? Is, are, are, we, are we sitting on the wrong table here? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but yes, okay, so they're, 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 it's a score that you're yeah, looking they're, for. Yeah, they're a score. I mean, you know, to, to give you an idea of just quite how blind they actually are, um, the very, very first one we did under the World Whiskey Awards banner, uh, we... All the judges tasted, and there were some, you know, pretty big, like you say, big distilling names in there. And because it was the last round, so there's there's three rounds. Two rounds are held at the home of judges, uh -huh. as in we send out boxes, not that we go around to people's houses and drink whiskey, which would actually be a nice way It'd of doing nice it. Way of thinking thinking travel it. Wait, knock, knock, we're here. We're here. Party time. That's my audio version of Whiskey Magazine as well. I'll come <laughs> round to your house and read it for you. <laughs> <laughs> sign, me, sign me up now. Well. Yeah, it'd be quite nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so yeah, so it's the last round and there was a, a call on the floor to actually reveal what the whiskies were because they were all scored. This was in the day when that night we did the awards, so everything was totted up and gone. So it's fine, that's okay. We, nobody knows who's won, but let's tell you what you've tasted. And we went through the, the whiskies, and I won't mention the brand, but at one point all I heard from the back of the room as I read this name, I was, oh, fuck. And he'd scored it as a one. 
<laughs> and it was his whiskey. It is his whiskey. So that's how blind it is, and that's you know. Now the whiskies have never been revealed at any of the no. panels that I've been on. No, we had to stop that. Yeah, <laughs> I've never never known what I've tasted uh, until I see the results. Yeah, and even then, I don't know if if I was in that panel that tasted those whiskies. Um, you know, I have no idea if I'm, unless it's. I'm told it's it's Speyside whiskey or Japanese yeah. whiskies or yeah. And, and yeah. Just, even I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not. I don't. They're just a number. It's just a number. I don't taste that much in it because I'm as the chairman. I'm supposed to have an overall view of everything. Yeah. So I don't don't get involved too much in the tasting. But even I don't know what they are when I do get them. So. Well, but look on that. I mean, that's, that is interesting. It's good. It's interesting that you've made a change. It looks like to me the IWSC and the IISC are a bit slow to make this change is probably due and it certainly occurred to me this morning looking at their categories and I'm saying that as a judge and a supporter and believer in, in the in the whole organization but it is probably time with with um, the scotch whiskey hegemony is, is coming down the whole world is making whiskey as we've spoken about on several episodes before so the, fo the logic follows that when brands are controlling the message instead of transparency it's actually the truth is getting further and further obscured in single brand messaging. And what's the biggest single brand in Scotch whiskey? Scotch whiskey. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that you guys do separate it out like that. And even that's an interesting thing about World Whiskey Awards as well is the winners of World Whiskey Awards are often, or in recent years, are World Whiskies. Not, and I say that in opposition to uh, Scotch whiskies. Yeah, I mean, and, sorry, yeah, just, sorry. If, just to finish the thought, Scotch whiskey companies that I know don't rate your award very highly isn't that it i mean uh, they don't they don't sp spread massive pr around it because they haven't won so again john's challenge the other day is history being written by the victors scotch whiskey is scotch whiskey companies are almost predetermined to win iwsc distillers of the year because they have more entrants they're going to have more trophies that's how it's going to be they're, they have more categories it's impossible for starward or australia to ever compete to that um where uh, so therefore, Scotch whiskey producer like we we're big believers in IWSC. We we, we will publish those and we'll put money behind it. We'll buy tables at the dinner and blah blah blah. Mm. World Whiskey Awards. It's maybe is it trickier? Well, to win the f top trophies. Well, I I mean if you if you go and you look at the last few years, um, and again you can Google this and prove that I've probably got it wrong, but <laughs> the Japanese have dominated blends and blended malts and I think the second year Yamazaki won yeah. uh, you know world's best single malt whiskey I, I didn't think I was going to be allowed back into Scotland at that point but uh, you know it's my and this is speaking personally not as the ma not as the magazine my my ideal plan right at the beginning was to have one winner there should only be one prize. You put everything in together and taste it all together, but it turned out to be a completely logistical nightmare. And how do you compare apples and oranges and bananas even? So I think the system that we have now it's it's been honed and refined over the over the years, and I I think it works. It gives everybody a shot at winning the top prize. You know, if the top prize for you is best single malt in the world. 
Yeah. You know, you could be. I mean, we gave it to Sullivan's Cove. I say we gave yeah, it to. They, they won, you know. Yeah. And I got, a, I got, a, <laughs> they won on points. And I got a phone call from Patrick out there, who was just like, well, "What have you done? We can't make it fast enough. The the interest has got, and that just it kind of brought home the power that these things." Mm actually have i can't obviously speak for other awards but certainly for the world whiskey awards was you know this tiny producer at that at that time out on the other side of the world it's just like we've we've just had so many calls and people wanting bottles we can't do it so i think that's you know i'd, I'd stand by ours and we're transparent enough you know come and have a look yeah we'll show you the scores i've got no you know i don't have anything to hide as the chairman i actually don't get involved in a lot of it. There's there's not much editorial input into it. If you see what I mean? It's it's run on an awards scale and an awards background. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, there's no influence outside influence, and it is tightly controlled by three people downstairs. Yeah, it's important. So the credibility of, of these awards is absolutely the, the best asset they have. Not matter how much gold they put together or put on a medal, it's, it's, it's that credibility and as soon as that's under threat. So we, we do need to change, yeah. don't we? We do need to adapt to changing times. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people are putting out great liquid that doesn't get, any, get anywhere because it, somebody doesn't have an award for a, a four-year-old German blended malt of whatever something yeah, like yeah. that yeah, you know yeah. and I, I think it's important because these guys are putting out some phenomenal liquid uh oh uh oh <coughs> got my lucky pants on <laughs> good you're gonna need them because we're about to play a game came to the office this morning john minter sat at his laptop oh don't look and he had a very devilish devilish grin the name of the game i'm told is whiskey, whiskey. mixers okay i think the premise is he's going to show us images we all get to uh, play I'm not, I'm not the host i'm not the host but welcome to whiskey mixers i'm the host i'm not the host my participant is rob allenson dr whiskey and dave worthington boutique dave gonna play whiskey mixers we're gonna be shown an image or a couple of images when we see them together they will form a distillery or some whiskey related thingamabob and we have to guess what it is but guys this is great radio dave what do we <laughs> i think he's going to show the visual um in the video content i don't you're right maybe that doesn't work on radio that's why it's perfect it's let's like anagram let's just make cork noises so you need a cork to buzz in need a cork. please take uh, this one this is actually boutique whiskey company's balmenic and we chose this because we're talking about online media this is all the clickbait the, the, the label's got sort of a, tr a fake tron thing from the, the connoisseur guys, the, the brothers who started Connoisseur. Whiskey Connoisseur, uh, yeah. Oh, remember that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. A good site. That was a great site. That was. I think they've revamped it a little while ago, didn't so they? Still so there, it's still up it? and yeah. going, yeah. So yeah. all these neon signs. Um, uh, you've been drinking whiskey the wrong way all this time. Find out why. Like clickbait things. Like, Ten <laughs> richest people in whiskey. Number three will surprise you. Yeah, that, kind of, that kind of shit. So it's very broad. That. That'll be my buzzer. Yeah, it's working well. Okay, I'm going for the Irish single malt with the Father Ted. Yes. Lovely horse on the Lovely front. horse. That to me. No, get it wet. Get it wet. I was going to get it wet. Get it wet. Here. Oh, yeah. That's there cool. we go. Right, we're in. We're in. Okay, Let's we're ready begin. to go. Whiskey mixers number one. Question number one. There's an image of uh, mashed potatoes. Mash Bill. Of, oh, Bill Clinton. <laughs> Can you give me a sec, Dave? For fuck's sake. Oh, there's the answer. Uh, sorry, there's the answer. Let me let me explain the image. Oh, sorry. So you can play at home. Yeah. 
It looks like a CD or a DVD and there's Ben Stiller. CD or a DVD maybe and there's Ben Stiller. Distiller. Disc Stiller. Distiller. I didn't know who. You didn't get the point because you didn't buzz in. Oh, uh, I didn't know who the guy was anyway. Uh, well, I'm glad I could help. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Number there's three. There's a barrel and there's a, a weightlifter. It's a. Uh, it's it's a barrel lift. It's a. Buzz in, you fancies. Oh yeah. Barrel strength. Oh Jesus. Ah. Oh. Cask strength. Oh! I oh, gave the clue away. Yeah, gotcha. cask strength. Well done. He's a very good job. These are the best clues I've seen. All right, it's a picture of an emoji poo <laughs> and a knee. Oh. Poo knee! Poo knee! <laughs> oh, my poor knee! Yeah. The Italian distillery, poo knee. Oh. <laughs> There's a bowl of beans, maybe, it's and Winnie the Pooh. Poo. Is it cake? Is it cup? Oh, no, it's lentils. It's oh. doll. Doll. Darwinny. Nice. Oh, Good buzzing in too. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, I can smell your whiskey actually. It's amazing. We got a picture of oh. a Big Mac and a bottle of beer, Duff beer. Oh, Duff. Yes. McDuff. Uh, you got that. This yeah. is not a game for radio. I'm having a great time, but we this can't do this again. Really, it doesn't work. This is a great. <laughs> you've done really well. This. This oh. is. Ah. It's a Apple uh, computer it's screen, and what's his name? Alan. Rick, I have no Rick, idea Rick, who he is. It's a blue screen. Is it the blue screen of death? <laughs> it's a blue <laughs> of a Apple com computer with Alan uh, Rickman. I believe Apple of a computer. Macal. Oh Jesus. Oh Macallan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is John's personal favorite. The next one. I don't know where we're on. Number seven. It's a L apostrophe, uh, an Afro, and then A I G. It's the freak. <laughs> I can't hear you laughing so much, pardon? That's Lefroy. Oh, I see. An it's an L apostrophe, oh, la Francais. And a Aik. guy with a big Afro hair, beautiful hair, and AIG. <laughs> oh, really well oh, done. That was Whiskey Mixers. Um, good luck making sense of that. Please pull over if you're listening to this podcast, because this is going to be distracting. <laughs> oh. Last one of my drinks. Let's, let's have another drink. So this is uh, an old Highland Park from Douglas Lang, 21-year-old. Uh, Douglas Lang, independent bottler. Another independent bottler. It's one of their director's cut single parts. 1991, bottled in December 2012. So I think that is just before the family split. Ooh. Hunter uh, Lang. Hunter and, and Douglas. And Douglas um, so they, you know, the, the, you know, the growing families and uh, distillery... Two of them. They've both got distilleries now, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, those those weren't the names of the individuals, by the way. Yeah. They're just the company names. Company names. Um, this was from a refill, but it's one of just 227 bottles. So fill your glasses. Fill your Charge price. your glasses. Oh, oh beautiful. Nice yeah, squeaking you. there, Rob. Thank you, Dave. When you buy whiskey, because it looks like you're not just a Balveni... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just a boutique ambassador. You're a whiskey nerd, a whiskey fan, and uh, I know you, you know we talked about your blogging roots, um, being pretty active on Twitter and talking about whiskey with everyone, all, all brands. You still buy whiskey, obviously. Sad. Oh uh, yeah, far too much. Yeah, I have so. a I have a buying problem, not <laughs> drinking problem. Is what okay. I keep <laughs> saying. Yeah, um, yeah. I see. Yeah, if I see something I really like. Um, I like the look of, or it's at a price that I just can't resist. Like those, um, 
was it we were talking about a little while ago? American whiskey, and I just mm. saw those 1906 packaging of um, Jack Daniels. I just had to go and buy some. Wow. I haven't opened it yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I just like the box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, I miss... I, this is I old school Highland Park. Yeah, this mm. is... Fun. No Vikings involved. No, there have been no Vikings harmed in the making this of this still, whiskey. Uh, the director's cut, nothing to do with Vikings at all. Um, single cask. The joke we're making is most modern Highland Parks have some theme uh, related to their their cultural origins, their connection to Scandinavian world. Um, even in Scotland and even down here, I still like Cannon's Gate, or the, 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 that, that suffix on many street names comes from Gata, which would be a Scandinavian word for road or street or way. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of remnants all over, and many of the, the, the place names as well up on Orkney, where Highland Park is, are connected. So this is a justifiable connection, but we like poking fun at <laughs> too much Viking all the time. I think our Highland Park label on our boutique uh, takes a piss about that as well, doesn't it? I Got King Charlemagne on it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not a lot of people know. Um, boutique is one of those brands that just, you look at a label, and you, I have to be, even as a pretty engaged whiskey geek, I don't get it all the time. I don't get the reference every time. And then there's always like an extra layer. Sure, there's a layer of like, what, what kind, what does this tell you and taste like? What does this Highland Park taste like? You want to discover that. But there's always, there's a bit more information. What's the easiest way to find out more about the labels? Listen to me on social media because I'm starting, I'm going to take over the, um, the boutique whiskey Twitter feed and uh, talk a little bit more about the labels. Certainly, it's something I want to do because people are all asking the questions at the moment as they're opening mm. their advent calendars. Um, and, and asking about the labels, and exactly. I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving the theories that are coming out on our American 24-year-old bourbon. Brilliant. That they're just reading into this so deeply when there is not one clue on the label. They're all red herrings, but that's what makes that's what's magic. It just it. makes it's it so funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm going to take over the channel and start divulging the stories of the label because I've just finished writing. Uh, a deck basically of the story of the labels well i know when i came here exactly i didn't know all the labels so and you shared me into that file but just for people loving whiskey how do i follow that if i want to do that on twitter um yeah follow boutique whiskey okay. uh, i think they're, they're that's where to follow it i'm going to take over that channel um and and, and boutique dave as well obviously I, I i switch between the two i mean basically i live on boutique dave and that's where you'll see pictures of my marmite soldiers uh, and my coffee in the morning, um, and the grand dogs that I look after when I'm at and home. olives, olives. Uh, olives, obviously, and bread making. But boutique channel, I'm going to take over and start talking about the labels, because I think it's something that we do need to talk about. It's certainly something I spend a lot of time talking about until I lose my voice at whiskey festivals, uh, because every label does tell a story. Yeah, yeah, you might as well put it archive it somewhere that everyone can see, not just on my shared drive. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right, good. Nice. Ah, oh, mm. I feel better. We got some. I mean, you, I ranted a few times. You have any uh, any rants about the, the current status of journalism, Rob? <laughs> Whiskey and words. So we, how we get information out there? Is there any any other blogs that we want to? I mean, there is a blog out there that is causing a lot of news at the moment, or causing a lot of um, comments at the moment. They've taken over social media on uh, on Instagram stories. Can you get oh. a bit closer to your microphone? I can't hear you. I don't know if you want to talk about this. I think you want to, so I think you should. Yep. Okay. Um, no, I just, I, I mean, are, are, there, are there any blogs that you, you follow? I mean, there is a blog that I, there's a couple of blogs I do read. I, I do like, um, I do like Whiskey Apocalypse because he just mm. tells it how it is. <laughs> I, I just do love John. I mean, John just tells it straight. There's no cutting corners with John. He just, this is shite. Or, um, yeah, 
Uh, yeah, he doesn't mince his words. Um, I do like some of them with the pictures. Uh, they take some really good shots. Uh, I, I know he's a friend of Boutique Whiskey because I use him um, when I need someone to take over the stand for me. I use Solon. I do like OCD whiskey. Uh, and the guys from Malt Review, which started off... Um, it started off really as Mark Newton's blog, and um, it's grown significantly, and they've got writers from across the pond now and they've got Irish whiskey writers and it is you know it is a very very personal view and they you know you, that some people don't like certain whiskies and there was some great writing on there and um but yeah they, they, they are a little controversial sometimes I think they upset a few people in what way in uh, that they 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 cons- they I guess they score whisk. They, they have they they explain their scoring system right from the start. And you know when they p- see people giving four out of ten, you know that's not necessarily you know when we look at four out of ten, some people oh, that's it's you know, the people disagree with people's scores. I know it's something that we decided as whiskey discovery not to score. Me too. Yeah. Um, because who wants to know my per- point of view of what I think of this whiskey as a score? Because you know I, I like to taste whiskey and decide whether I like it or not. But Dave, fuck's sake, let's be honest. You started a blog uh, because you love whiskey. Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm, I started a blog because I loved whiskey, but really because my brother told me this is, you know, what I was writing was good enough to be in a blog. And basically I said, well, what's a blog? I mean, I didn't read them. I didn't know. I mean, there's a few blogs that I did, but, you know, but I didn't really know how to set up a blog. And it wasn't something I, w- I was writing about whiskey and just putting it on Facebook for the family because that's what Facebook was then. It was just a way of communicating with the family. Uh, my family are spread around the world, as yours are. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my Dr. Whiskey started as just that, a way to communicate. I'd lived in Edinburgh for years. I had a whiskey club that I ran, and I used it. I started the blog as a way to keep in touch with them. Mm-hmm. There were people would email me, and email was taking a long time. What are you drinking? Where are you, where are you going? How's London? Because I'd moved from Edinburgh to London, so I started the blog just to stay in touch with those thirty or so whiskey nerds I, I missed a lot, and then also as a reason to keep in touch with Richard Patterson, whiskey makers. Right. Just be like, hey, I'm doing this blog. I just reviewed a, a, a recent Dalmore. If you want to see it, I did it for that reason, not to spread my criticism of Dalmore's latest release. Because who the fuck am I? Your assumption that the reader is trying to gather your opinion of it is so egotistical. And it's just, it's not what it's about. We were trying to, I, I think when, we were, when I was blogging, when I make whiskey or when I share whiskey with friends, it's to try and share joy. Yeah. And I think trying to share negativity to get clicks to make money is ill-informed. Yeah, yeah I, what the magazine strapline is celebrating the whiskeys of the world. So we do try mm. not to be critical, and it's not that we can't be critical, you know, but we we try not to be critical about things. And if if we get a whiskey in that that has clear problems, then we'll go and approach, you know, or I'll go and approach the producer and say, look, we've we've had this in on tasting. These are the tasting notes. Just wanted to feed back to you, and to be honest. That's totally yes. Continue, Rob. I'm sorry. I, I, I you're, you're I'm excited. No, pull, I pulled me off the air. Then yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Stop talking. Cut, cut, cut. No, we weren't saying cut. Don't it was continue, it. continue. But this is... you know, that's. I mean, if somebody's saying that a whiskey, I think in in the time I've tasted whiskies, and you know, so people have tasted more whiskey than I have. But you know, in the time I've been tasting whiskies, I think I can count on both hands how many bad whiskies I've had. 
and that's not that is a personal opinion and it's not you know how do you quantify that no i disagree with that hold on one second no a bad whiskey is bad it needs to be intrinsically objectively bad a whiskey you don't like that is your opinion that's fine that's that's what i mean a whiskey that i don't like so when you when you i remember years ago when i still live in edinburgh there was a review in whiskey magazine that got quite controversial because it gave it a very very low score and what you just said about um if that happens and what would be a low score what was the threshold for when you would approach distiller under five yeah i mean i know that seems fair there there have been some in the past, I mean, this is this is in, you know, during my tenure as editor. So before that, I can't speak to that. But uh, in yeah. my, you know, in my tenure as editor, that's that's the that's the aim. That's you know, is not to be critical. But if if you're going to be critical about a whiskey, be uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, be be constructive about it. Mm. You know, not say well, you know, this would be great if it was in sherry. It's not in sherry, so. Yeah. It, yeah, that doesn't matter. It's in bourbon, so well, is the bourbon cast knackered? Is this or that? What's what's wrong with it? But don't don't say you know. I, you know what? I wish they'd left it for five more years. Well, what they the fuck's didn't? The point it's in the bottle now. That's what. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, you know, a lot of guys who are putting stuff out are putting out good stuff. You know, yes, there are bad whiskies out there, and I won't, you know, I don't disagree with that. But yeah, you know, the majority of stuff is. I think there's Pretty very few much. bad whiskies out there. There yeah. are, honestly, honestly, there have got to be so few. Me. Maybe I'm just too wide-eyed and naive and love whiskey this much, but for some, for a reviewer to give a, rev- a whiskey two stars, to give, let's, this happened, Balvenie Single Barrel, I remember. Yeah. If a whiskey has two stars, it's flawed. It should not be in glass. Mm. It should never have been sold if it is an objective two-star whiskey. If it's a whiskey that you don't like to the level two stars, that's fine. That makes sense. Yeah. But then why are you putting on a blog? You're trying to propagate information. You're trying to spread information and spread information about whiskey in an accurate, I would hope, way rather than just spreading your own opinion like a whiskey Bible, which would then make you Jesus. Um, if you, if you <laughs> giving something two stars, it's flawed. You know, at the IWSC judging or ISC, if something gets below five points or 50%, excuse me, 54%, I believe it is, it's flawed and it gets reported back to the, and that, that seems to make sense to me. The whiskey industry does not bottle flawed whiskeys. Now there might be cork issues. Yeah. The Scotch whiskey industry does not bottle mistakes, things that are dangerous or, or no. actually objectively bad. It doesn't happen. I'm sorry. I'm not bitter, Rob. Stop <laughs> looking at me like that. <laughs> All right. It's been really fun. Guys, thank, Rob, thanks a lot for coming. Rob Allison no from Whiskey thank Magazine. You. Bass player from Copper Dogs or Barley Stills Mash and Ton or what's, what other names of the band? Oh, Still, we should have gone with Ethel and the Aldehydes. Yeah, that's pretty it's nerdy. Oh. That's pretty nerdy. Copyright now. Is it, it you've, you've registered it, you prick. <laughs> I will be in a minute when Dot I can com. turn my phone back on. <laughs> right, that was another Uncorked. Thank you for coming along, Rob. Um, great to talk to uh, Mark as well at the same t- uh, earlier. Yeah, Mark Gillespie, yeah. Mark Gillespie. Um, yeah, the, the pioneer of whiskey podcasting, I, I guess. Um, so that's another episode. We need to get back on to American whiskey next time, Sam. Great. Let's get some friends. Let's get some rye people involved, and let's do that next time. Okay. Then. And, yeah, and if you have any questions for us, yeah, just contact us at Boutique Whiskey on Twitter, um, on Facebook. We're on Boutique Whiskey as well. We're on Instagram as Boutique Whiskey. You can find me on Twitter at um, Boutique Dave, or you can find Sam at Dr. Underscore Whiskey, I think it is. On Twitter, I think. I think otherwise it's Dr. Dot Whiskey on Instagram, but really hashtag uncorked 
whiskey sessions is where you want to follow this conversation. Love you, bye! <laughs> bye. Hey everybody, can you hear my voice? Yes, a little loud, Sam. Ah, tough shit, you got no choice. So grab a glass and sit back in your chair. Cause Uncorked is going live today.